Baby, baby. <laughs> baby, 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 oh. Let's not go Justin Bieber. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, the, the new Justin Bieber is pretty cool, apparently. Let's not go old Justin bieber Okay, you know, it's a song where he's like, well, are you sure no means no? Oh, is there such a song? That oh, must have oh. riled up... Uh... <laughs> when your body says yes, but your mind it says no, what do you mean? Do, 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 do. Okay, okay. So it's not quite no means yes. <laughs> There's no also... means no. Hashtag. There's also a really popular song of his now. Sorry. Is it too late to say I'm sorry? And people think that he's talking to Selena in this song. Oh, you know them. They're star-crossed lovers, those two. Yeah. You know that song? That Macklemore? Downtown, 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 downtown. But I do know, what's her name? Um, Anna Montana's Wrecking Ball. I only know two words in the song. <laughs> <laughs> only two? Yeah, wrecking and ball. Wrecking ball. La 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 la, wrecking ball. How's that, Ben? It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, there's... <laughs> Hey everybody, I am Ben. I am Prashanta. And we are two peas. In a podcast. How's it going, mister? It is going. Is it? It is going. Well, it's going somewhere, right? Time is passing by. Is it going 0 to 60 in 3.5? Uh, it's going at the rate of about one second per second. Okay, that's pretty standard, pretty I'd say. standard, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to start things off, mm-hmm. firstly, I would like to welcome our newest and littlest listener, he was born just a few weeks ago. Cute little guy. Oh, and we already have. Uh, he's already a fan of ours. He's listened to one podcast that we released in that time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, friend of ours. She had a little one. And he's pretty cute. Wears dinosaurs very well. <laughs> and we'd like to welcome him to the podcast. Why don't we announce to the world his name? Uh, little Connor, I believe his name is. Connor. Connor yes. Connor McDavid? That's a hockey player. But <laughs> he, he might play hockey one day. He's got 20 years to, uh, to step it up. Okay, so welcome, Connor. Hope uh, you enjoy the show. And one day when you can actually understand what we're trying to say, maybe you will even enjoy it. I certainly didn't have podcasts to listen to when I was that age. I just had Jeopardy at 7.30 at night. Jeopardy has been around for that long? It's been around that long, easily. With uh, Alex Trebek? Yeah. And he's still a handsome guy. Those uh, strong Canadian jeans. <laughs> Secondly, the other piece of housekeeping was we had a listener listen to one of our episodes called uh, What Do You Call a Cousin's Wife? Because mm. we were talking about cousins and I brought it up, but we never actually answered the question. What do we call a cousin's wife? I mean, uh, do we even have a terminology? Well, convention would say that it's your cousin-in-law. Makes sense. Your spouse has a brother, it's your brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. spouse has a father, it's a father-in-law, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd think cousin-in-law. Right. But there's a little bit of controversy around that title because you can't really tell the difference between your cousin's wife Mm -hmm. being your cousin-in-law and then your wife's cousin being your cousin-in-law right right that doesn't seem uh too controversial because it's already a problem with brother-in-law right it could be your brother's well 
shall I say, your sister's husband、mm-hmm. or your wife's brother. This is also my brother in law. Right. So, if people have been able to get on with life with this ambiguity already present in the case of brother in law or sister in law, why should cousin in law be a problem? Yeah, I think those are sort of similar scenarios. Right. But I think because cousin is a much more loose term, like you have many more cousins than you would brothers,、mm. you know, I think the relationship is a little bit looser. Right. And that's why genealogists and、uh, ancestry aficionados out there, they don't like the term at all. Right. And in fact, with、um, brother in law, if you know me well, you probably know who I'm referring to.、Mm-hmm. As opposed to cousin in law, it could be anybody. And because there's no like, blood relation between you and your cousin in law,、right. there's no real terminology. To answer the question, I guess, colloquially, you could say cousin in law、mm-hmm. or、uh, cousin that I'm related to by marriage or just cousins. They're just your cousins. Oh, you can just simply say cousins. Yeah. I, I, I don't like that because cousins implies blood relation. A loose blood relation, but blood relation nonetheless.、Mm-hmm. Enough blood relation that you shouldn't be dating them. But cousins in laws are perfectly date worthy. I mean, well, <laughs> not if you're married <laughs> and they're cousins in law because they're related to your wife or husband. If, if they're related to your wife, then you're married. Yes, exactly. You shouldn't be so going you shouldn't. Exactly. In law. If they're related to you because they're your cousins' spouses, oh, then you should still not go after them. Oh,、right. you know what? Yeah, there's just no way to go after them. Yes, just <laughs> don't go after your cousin in laws. No, don't do that. Yes. It, that means trouble, regardless of what the relationship is. But if you happen to be out and you happen to run into somebody you know, you can introduce them as your cousin in law or your cousin by marriage or your cousin's spouse. I like cousin's spouse. That's very, very clear.、Mm-hmm. You didn't say anything. We're not doing anything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed, but I didn't get it. Like almost every joke. What? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You've gotten much better. <laughs> Should we level up? Do you think there is a limit to how much one can level up in life? I think you can get to over 9,000. Yeah? Yeah. Do you think you're anywhere close to 9,000? I'm getting there. Really? Yeah. Damn. You don't think you've experienced 9,000 things? No. Okay, no, I mean, I've experienced 9,000 things, but each experience doesn't level me up. Because、right? your first experience that you have, say,、uh, little Connor over there finds a、uh, tennis ball and is like, ooh, what is this? He's experienced something fuzzy. He's、yeah. experienced something green and something round. It's、right. like a huge thing for him. You know, that's just mind boggling. That's pretty cool. But second time he sees a tennis ball, it's not mind boggling. He only leveled up the first time. Many days I go to work and I do pretty much the same thing I did the previous day. So I don't level up. I come home and I eat pretty much the same food. So I don't level up. You need to seek out the experiences that level you up. Okay, anyway, I, 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 I'm, at, I'm 31. I have、uh, many years to go before I reach 9,000. So it's all right, don't worry. I'm, I'm impressed that you're already there. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> In fact, we worked on this, this level of experience together recently.、That's, that is true? Yes, we、uh, went to one of those escape rooms that has become en vogue of late. Ben, is that a real terminology? <laughs> en vogue? En vogue, it means popular. You know, like Vogue magazine, it shows you all the,、uh, all the, the I popular know what, dress. I know what Vogue magazine is. Uh huh. But does En Vogue mean something, you know, hip, hip and、uh, up and coming? Is it because of that magazine? No,、okay. other way around. Oh, en Vogue came first. Oh, really? Yeah. 
It's French. Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> You've leveled up. My point exactly. <laughs> so the escape room that we went to. So you go in to this relatively small room mm -hmm. uh, with a group of friends and you're locked in. There are clues as to how you can get out of the room. Uh, you have to, you know, basically look for clues, open boxes, find things, and eventually find the key to unlock the door. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot like uh, those internet flash games that were popular kind of 10, 15 years ago. I think they had a very specific name, right? Yeah, there's like the Crimson Room and the Cerulean Room, I think. Just these point-and-click kind of flash games where you had to find clues and piece them together to get out. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I had a pretty good time. You know, I, uh, I, thought, I thought it was a pretty cool experience. And mm -hmm. I think everyone should do it at least once, right? Now, was it the greatest experience ever? Mm, not quite, because one, we had too many people. Everybody looking at different clues and not communicating. Yeah, I mean, we did it with six people, I think. And just given the size of the room, mm -hmm. like, I just felt like everyone was kind of everywhere and... You know, everyone sort of was working on their own thing. Yeah. And it was a little bit hard to kind of get everyone to work together to find, okay, what's the common thread? Just because you have a time limit, it's really hard to settle down. Like, you walk into that room and you're just overwhelmed with numbers and colors and lights and everything going on. Right. There are lots of legitimate clues and there are lots of things that seem to be clues but are not. Yes, little red herrings, they're called. Red herrings, right? If somebody... Um, just got hung up on the red herrings, it's easy to just not solve it. You just don't quite know, right? And it, it, the, the room was um, uh, reminiscent of an 80s game room. Yeah, they had like Lego blocks, they had Mario on the wall, they had an 80s movie playing on the TV. And, and so you don't know what part is just, you know, to bring out the 80s theme, and what part is part of the clue. Um, the six people that played, you know, I like all of them, but all of them together, I thought uh, it was just a little too jarring for me to really sink into feeling like I was a real part of the solution. I think three to four people seems like a good good number, maybe even three. The only problem with too many people is that it's difficult to communicate, right? and everybody's thinking about different things. And everyone's thinking, oh, we only have 45 minutes to get out of here, and now we've been in here, what, 10 minutes? Yeah. So I think that the time pressure the time limit sort of puts an, an undue pressure on you to sort Which of is kind of part of the fun, actually, right? You think so? Time pressure adds a little bit of adrenaline rush, I think. Yeah, that's right, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. And um, do you think that, you know, just doing a couple of escape room puzzles makes you better at doing them in the future? They use a lot of the same sort of clue setups. So once you sort of figure out a pattern, I think you'll be a lot quicker to decipher what's important and what's not important. Right. Which makes it uh, so that you're a little bit more successful at them, mm -hmm. but at the same time might make it seem a little bit less exciting because you know how to do it. I think there are only uh, so many different types of puzzles, really, you know, or so many different types of clues that you can put in. Clues that are mainstream enough to be understood and to get people to come in and buy tickets to experience it. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be careful, especially given you're uh, limited on space. You can't just have an infinite number of escape rooms. They're also probably really hard to design in such a way that people will take the time to solve them. If I was to design an escape room, mm -hmm. I would uh, you know, come up with something, probably copies what's already out there <laughs> to a certain extent, right? Right. And then I'll just have people solve it. If 40% if, uh, of the people can get all the way, 
in the allotted time, then it's a decent puzzle, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if nobody's getting it, then obviously there's something wrong with what you're presenting. It's really hard to find that balance and have a compelling theme that's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they did a pop-up escape room at the Diefenbunker, which uh, in Ottawa is kind of a big Cold War museum experience that you can go and check out. So they've taken this sort of relic from the Cold War era, and they dress it up with uh, spy-themed escape room fun mm-hmm. for a weekend, which mm-hmm. I, I think would have been really cool. It's a really great way to bring people to an attraction and offer them a very different experience at the same time. But once you've done it once, you're not going to do it again. Yeah. There's sort of this whole uh, like half a dozen or more of these escape room companies that have popped up in the last year, year and a half in the city. And you can go to each one maybe once, but you would yeah. never go again. So they need to be constantly reinventing themselves over time. Then again, I mean, you know, uh, thousands of people are born in the city every year, right? So there's always a constant fresh supply of people, right? So they don't need to constantly reinvent because people are themselves changing. New people are coming, old people are going out of the system. But I would imagine that half or more of any one company's business is repeat customers. Mm. If you don't have repeat customers... The cost to acquire new customers can become a, uh, a barrier, That's barrier true. to success. That's true. Actually, I think it, it may have to downsize because in the beginning, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting, it's fun. But when, once you've gone to all six of them in Ottawa, mm-hmm. then what do you do? It's not one of those businesses where it's fun to be a repeat customer. Right? Go into a business where people want to come back, mm-hmm. right? Like a restaurant. You make good food you're rewarded with repeat customers. Exactly. You make a good escape room, people are not going to want to do the same thing again. They might come and see your new room that you create. Yes. Because they had fun at the last one. You do kind of have to reinvent yourself to get that repeat business. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you make a really good burger, you don't need to reinvent yourself. No. Right? Everyone will keep coming back for that burger. Note to self. Business ideas. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this business right here is a result of the geek culture that became prominent ah you know makes sense even like board game cafes right it's another one that has sort of boomed in the last few years mm-hmm. you're, you're right yeah. uh it really is a uh, revenge of the geeks <laughs> now you tell me what the difference between a geek and a nerd is geeks have fun nerds are super serious is that what it is i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but i imagine like the the nerd Mm-hmm. is someone who will correct you if you say that uh, Captain Riker was abducted and brought to this planet and he had to communicate with Darmok and Jalada Tanagra. You mean Captain Picard? I do mean Captain Picard, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly like that, a all nerd right, would point out all the things that are wrong. Right. Whereas the geek is just happy to be Star Trekking it out. Right. Yeah. Perhaps. I'm not an expert. Hey Siri, what's the difference between a nerd and a geek? Checking. Okay, I found this on the web for what's the difference between a nerd and a geek. A geek has become associated with someone who has a vested interest in one particular thing and knows it on an expert level. Mm. Nerds, on the other hand, concern themselves with the academics such as math and science. Oh, I see. So, nerds are more school geeks. Geeks are everyday geeks. (laughs) I suppose. So, geeks might be more outwardly with their uh, their affections. <laughs> they might be like, hey, check out my Pokemon shirt and my collection of Pokemon shirts. Whereas a nerd will be like, 
you need to catch a Pikachu with an HP of 27 or more at a level 5, so that way they can become a Raichu with, you know, max stat well, stats. No, this would still be a geek, because this is uh, knowing something at an expert level. The nerd would be uh, a good student at school, essentially. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So in school, I was the geek, you were the nerd. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> but we were both pretty decent at school, right? Yes. And pretty geeky in our own ways. Yeah. We played chess. Lots of monkey ball. <laughs> and Diablo. A lot more Diablo and a lot more monkey ball. <laughs> so I want you to imagine yourself to be a nerd. Okay. All right? Mm -hmm. Focus real hard. I'm going to ask, would you... you know every language or would you rather be able to communicate with any animal any and every animal there's probably not a whole lot you can get from a worm for example probably not right because i don't they, i mean they don't really even have a brain right but from some of the higher animals you could have an interesting time for sure so let's start with you which option would you rather take be able to communicate with all humans regardless of their language or be able to communicate with all animals well, it would be really cool for me to just go up to my dog and be like, Hey, Charlie, how are you feeling today? And then him sort of respond to me, Oh, I'm feeling great, great. I'm feeling great, great. <laughs> this reminds me of Up for some reason. Hi, Ben. Can we play a game? Can I go get my stick? Come, come get my stick. Come, come, come here. I know you want to. Come on, come on. <laughs> and I'd be able to tell him, Not now. Let me finish my, my work. I'll come in five minutes. And he would understand, Oh, five minutes. Okay, I'll sit down. And his little tail would wag because he's excited. Mm -hmm. But he would understand that I'll get to him, which he doesn't right now, even though I always tell him, give me two minutes. Right. But it would be impactful for me to be dropped anywhere on the planet and instantly be able to communicate with someone, you know, who I am, where I'm going, and for me to either offer assistance or to ask for assistance. Okay. You know? Which would be pretty cool, I agree. I think that would be invaluable. It may be invaluable if you were in that situation, right. right? But there are thousands and thousands of people that you come across mm -hmm. and don't even interact with. We don't even have the time for it. Even when we can, we have a common language, we don't even interact, right? Who's to say that just because you can interact with somebody that you will be interested or the other party will be interested in the interaction? Hmm. But even thinking of international relations mm. or international branding, marketing, mm -hmm. travel, mm -hmm. you know, just being able to, you know, do translations or to understand a particular group, mm -hmm. right? You know, that just gives you such a heads up. It does. And actually it gives you a huge advantage, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if you can go to Nepal and speak Nepali, they like you, they respect you. Right. They're, you're not likely to be uh, swindled, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, of your money just because you're a tourist and you're supposedly wealthy. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, it, do, it does confer a lot of advantages. And, you know, if I go to Brazil and go to, you know, the slums of Brazil, for example, in Sao Paulo, mm -hmm. and I'm able to interact with the kids, we could have a lot of fun as opposed to just being uh, an observer. So I, 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 I see your point here. But, you know, I think I would still like to uh, be able to interact with animals. Okay, how would that help you on a day-to-day -day basis? It wouldn't help me on a day-to-day -day basis, but I think it could be invaluable to humanity, to saving um, nature. Because all the, uh, the squirrels
squirrels and the uh, beavers will be like, Stop ruining my habitat! You can't be dumping stuff in the water here! Yes, I mean, if they're, if they're intelligent enough, right? <laughs> but there are a lot of animals that are quite intelligent. I mean, you know, I mean, dogs already have uh, supposedly the brain of a two and a half year old. Is something that, like that. Something and like I that, don't right? give my dog enough credit sometimes. He's really, really bright. Right. An elephant or a chimpanzee would be much smarter than that still. Or, sure. or a dolphin, right? Imagine what they would say, you know? The conversation with the dog wouldn't be overly interesting. Mm-hmm. Hey, play with me, play with me, play with me, you know? <laughs> but, you know, the, the conversation with chimps or elephants or dolphins could be very interesting, you know? And maybe they're intelligent enough or maybe just as in- intelligent as us, but because they lack the opposable thumb and the vocal cord, they've been stuck unable to build a civilization. Right. What do you think? Imagine that. Imagine they're just as smart. Now, I, I shouldn't say chimps because, I mean, we, we, we pretty much know chimps are not quite as smart as us. Um, but, say, elephants, right? Elephants could very well be very smart. Or dolphins. But, you know, the only way we can um, communicate with dolphins is sign language. Really, we don't have much better, right? And the only way dolphins can communicate is you know by body expression and facial cues and you know very few things mm-hmm. right imagine if they actually had a developed vocal cord what they could say right do you know alex the parrot he's the only non-human mm-hmm. ever that we know of yes to ever ask an existential question really yeah okay what did he say he was playing with his owner and trainer and he looked down in a mirror mm-hmm. or he looked down at himself and asked what color am I? Really? Yeah. Because they had, they had been learning colors all day. And he wanted to know what color he was. He asked that question? Yeah. That's the only instance that a non-human has ever asked a question like that. Wow. We've been able to teach chimps and kind of apes. I mean, the, the whole notion of asking mm-hmm. is, uh, is pretty advanced. You know, I think normally, I, I think of animal communication as a bunch of statements, you know? Mm-hmm. I want this. Danger. Exactly. You, you can blah, ask, blah, blah, you know, right? can I have food? Or I you can that indicate that you want food. You want food, right. It's not a question, though. It's saying you want food. You right. know, it's not, may I have food, right? right. Which is different from, I want food. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it may not still be a question. That the fact that animals could even ask a question is pretty, pretty mind-boggling, actually. Yeah. Right? Because it's not like the uh, trainer was getting him to say the question to repeat it mm-hmm. he came up with it on his own mm-hmm. or on its own yeah that's you know? that's amazing it's, it's it's interesting to think that parrots could be so intelligent you know because i mean they're birds they're not mammals first of all mm-hmm. and they're small have a tiny head you know mm-hmm. but they do have the ability to manipulate their their vocal cords right right and they can learn to speak mm-hmm. if we teach them how to speak mm-hmm. Now, parrots seem smart or intelligent because they have a much more advanced vocal cord than any other animal except for humans, I imagine, right? You know, it, it certainly isn't the smartest animal out there, I think. No. Right. Which makes you wonder. You Which know, makes you wonder. What are all the other animals actually thinking? Thinking, or what could they say if they had the opportunity to, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think we could learn a lot more about the world we live in if we could communicate with animals than if we had the ability to communicate with all humans firsthand because we can already communicate with most humans 
at least second or third hand. Yeah, there, there's an hand. app for that, no problem. There's an app for that, <laughs> or, exactly. Or you know, you, you can you can go with you can go to Brazil with somebody who knows Portuguese and English. Mm-hmm. You can go to Nepal with somebody who knows English and Nepali, and so on and so forth, right? Right. So, uh, you know, there should be pretty much every uh, major language in the world has uh, bilingual speakers, bilingual or trilingual speakers. Right. right. So you're able to use them to communicate with almost, reach anybody in the world, essentially. Mm-hmm. Al- almost, I should say. Maybe there are some tribes in Amazon that are kind of separated from society, rest of society. Right. Right. And so they don't know any Portuguese or English, and nobody has learned their language either from the outside. And that's possible. But I don't think you'd be missing a large percent of people. Mm-hmm. Very, very small. This is true. I mean, your ability to impact the greater knowledge space of humanity, mm-hmm. uh, your ability to affect that might be greater being able to speak with animals mm-hmm. compared to being able to speak with any human. I, I, I think simply because we can already sort of do that in terms of speaking to humans. Mm-hmm. right? And even if we can't speak, we can still communicate. We can still right. draw images or we can point to things. We can, we can use translators. Uh, as a species, we're very a- well able to interpret feeling or trying to communicate. Exactly. Even uh, we use similar uh, facial cues yeah. or body language because, mm-hmm. you know, we're the same species, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, we don't need to know each other's languages for many basic things. Right. Uh, whereas with animals, we don't use the same body language. In fact, I think I read somewhere that dogs ended up... Um, mimicking a lot of human faces mm-hmm. because humans thought that was cool and they kind of bred those dogs. Right. Right. Once the need for dogs to become a working species, mm-hmm. once that need diminished, mm-hmm. they were just purely bred on cuteness. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. And so when the dog looks sad or cute, it, it may not be feeling the exact same thing that you are. But if I could ask, how are you feeling? I would know. Exactly. <laughs> So I like this idea of being able to communicate with animals. Yeah. Even with humans, if I was dropped on an island with someone who only spoke Spanish, mm-hmm. I would learn Spanish. They would learn English over exactly. time. Exactly. We have that ability. Right. I don't have the ability to learn cat. <laughs> you know? Exactly. We have so many variety of animals out there. And just to know the variation in, in um, mental capacity, but also what they think about how much are they emotionally driven? How much are they instinctively driven? Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot you could learn. Even if they don't have much to say. I guess a worm or a butterfly wouldn't have a lot to say. right? Uh, penguins might have some to say. I wonder what they would say. It's a little cold in here, huh? Don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, they may not even say that because, I mean, cold is part of their habitat. They don't know any different. They might just say, who the heck are you? And why are you so big? And, you know, why do you walk like me? In fact, I think the animals that might have the most to say might be animals in captivity, just because they're exposed to humans so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may also be, you know, equivalent of psychologically deranged humans because they're basically in a jail, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know why. <laughs> or, I mean, a lot of them are born into captivity. They don't know anything else. That's true, too. You know? right, right. Although I have to say, you know, uh, Western zoos are really nice, at least from what I've seen. Mm-hmm compared to what does exist in Nepal and the kind of cruelty that animals have to face right. in poorer countries. Uh, people do really take good care of their animals to the best of their abilities from what I've seen. There's a lot of social pressure on that too. 
if uh, if people are unhappy with how you're treating your animals, they're not going to come. Mm-hmm. They're going to protest you. That's even worse than not coming. It's convincing others not to come. Oh yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah. So if you could walk into a zoo and ask all the animals, "How are you feeling today?" and they're just like, "Oh, I'm feeling fantastic. I can't wait to see some kids." <laughs> then it might be an okay experience. Right. Maybe there's a lot of misplaced uh, dislike towards zooification of animals, and maybe if the animals appeared happy, that at least that debate would be gone. And if they were not, we should just you know put them back in the wild, I guess. And yeah. again, the debate would be gone. <laughs> you know, even even right there, there's a huge social implication to being able to speak with animals, right? Right, exactly. Is how is this affecting them, and you know, are they okay with it if they're even able to have thoughts that complex? Mm-hmm. We don't even know. We don't know. Uh, but it's very possible that some of the higher animals do. And, and uh, speaking of languages and vocal cords, uh, there are some animals that do communicate and that do have rudimentary languages. Oh, certainly they have languages within themselves. Elephants have some language capability. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, dolphins do as well. Right. There are dolphins in Brazil that fish with humans. So they have a symbiotic relationship going on. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and it's going on since the 1800s. Oh, wow. It's really cool. And they teach that behavior to their young children, right? Younger dolphins, right? So this, it's not a genetic trait, because it hasn't been going on for long enough for it to be a genetic trait. Right. So it's a learned trait, and they're able to teach, pass that information on. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In fact, there are also other instances of other primates primates other than humans <laughs> that have passed on knowledge to their children. So it's not all instinctive behavior. A lot of it is learned and a lot of it is passed from parents to children. And maybe the animals could learn from us too if, if they could communicate f- with us, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't have to be a one-way thing. And this is how you make fire. <laughs> I, I, I watched a documentary that explained that humans became humans as we know them mm-hmm. the moment they discovered how to cook once they said hey i put this animal on a flame and wow it tastes better it gives me less diseases it gives me less diseases i survive longer yeah you know i don't need to uh spend so much energy digesting it because mm-hmm. it's you know already, already broken should... down that's when we became the species that we are right interesting yeah no i think you convinced me i think uh being able to speak with animals would be more exciting certainly Perhaps not as self-fulfilling as mm-hmm. being able to speak with anyone, mm-hmm. but certainly a lot more interesting and a lot more impactful, I think, overall. And I think uh, it would teach us to respect nature, which would be the side benefit. True. And that has a whole other set of implications. Mm-hmm. You know, we might right. actually end this debate on whether global warming is an actual thing and just be like, well, it'll ultimately be a good thing for everything on the planet, so right. let's do it. And, you know, just habitat destruction and habitat loss and overpopulation of humans, right? So there are lots of things that we would probably take a second look at if we could communicate with animals. Okay, so let's do it. Mm, let's do it. How do we do it? <laughs> let's, uh, let's ask anyone listening what they think. Would you like to speak with animals? Would you like to be able to speak with anyone on the planet? Which would you choose? Which superpower would you like? Let us know. Uh, Facebook.com slash we are two, numeral two, peas. Or uh, the website, www.weare2peas, that's numeral2peas.ca. All right. Do you, uh, do you have a good joke for us? <laughs> yes, I do. So, Ben, 
here's a joke. Some guy goes to a job interview, and the interviewer says, what's your greatest weakness? Sometimes I have a difficult time distinguishing between fiction and reality. And um, the interviewer nods in acknowledgement. And for his next question, he goes, uh, what's your greatest strength? The response he gets is, well, I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you mean, I'm Batman? Why so quickly doesn't he say, Batman? Yeah. Keep eating donuts, you'll be fat man. <laughs> That was a that was a, that was a pretty good one. <laughs> get run over by a truck, you'll be a mat man. Get uh, get inked, you'll be a tat man. Consume estrogen rich foods, you'll be tit man. Or just eat lots of donuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a uh, more sophisticated note, okay. I believe you have some words of wisdom. I came across something on this website called Reddit. Okay, it goes like this: When you complain, you make yourself a victim. Leave the situation, change the situation, or accept it. All else is madness. Eckhart Tolle. Okay, and what did Eckhart mean by this? So he's saying he's giving life advice to people, and I think it's a very useful one. Don't despair about something. Don't be so emotionally involved and ruin your life, years and years and years, right? If it's something you don't like, find a way to leave it. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't make you happy, leave it if you can. Or change it if you can. Or barring your inability to leave or change, what can you do? Just accept it. If it's something that is not in your control, accept it. If it is in your control, leave it or change it. Everything else is fruitless because, you know, continuously complaining and, you know, feeling uh, sad about it is madness. It, it doesn't enrich your life. It doesn't, it doesn't. enrich anything. Exactly. It, it, it doesn't solve anything. So I think it's a, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good quote. Something to keep in mind. Be the change you want to see in the world. Right. Well, my friend, I think that pretty much wraps things up. Okay. I feel pretty wrapped up. <laughs> <laughs> Please, again, uh, we are tps.ca. Listen to our shows there. Subscribe on iTunes. Uh, check us out on Facebook.com slash we are 2 ps numeral 2 P-A-S. Give us a like, and we'll see you on the next show. So long. Farewell. Adios. Amigos. <laughs>